0: Uh, please join me in Romans chapter 8 Romans chapter 8 and uh, so I've had a couple weeks to kind of write some things down that uh, I I hope and pray will be a help to you um, you know it's little notes scribbled here and there, and things that the, the Lord kind of lays on my heart, and uh, the trouble is, pastor preached half those things this morning, so. <laughs> um, so, uh, this could be a short sermon, or, you know, maybe I'll just repeat everything, and uh, you guys will be, you know, hopefully forget everything, and uh, be like, hey, got something new from the Bible. Um that's right, you were there. <laughs> this one is definitely for you then. <laughs> um, Romans chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 28. Now, this is a very familiar verse. Hopefully you can quote it um, inside out, upside down, and forwards and backwards. Um, this is where we're going to start. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His Purpose. I, I'd like to be a help and an encouragement to you guys tonight, and uh, in helping us see that all things are on purpose. Um, so many things in our life that we can't control. Right? Um, if you, it's been said, if you if you draw a circle around yourself, you can control everything in that circle. Right? But everything outside of the circle is really out of your control. Um, The things that other people do, the things that uh, happen to us, our our circumstances, um, those are things that uh, we may have a little bit of influence in sometimes, uh, but really we don't control uh, those things. And as a Christian we ought to come to the point in our, in our walk with God and in our, in our belief um, that we realize that everything outside of that circle that I am standing in is something that God controls. And that all things that happen to us and all things that we go through and, and all the different factors in our life God works together for good, and He does it for a reason. Um, he He doesn't uh, He doesn't say, "Oops," right? I mean, uh, God doesn't make mistakes, and you know we, we know that. We will we'll nod our heads and we say we know that. Um, but we get out in the middle of problems, and we get out in the middle of situation, and uh, and we quickly forget that, right? Um, and, uh, you know, God doesn't get surprised. God knows the future. God is everywhere. He's in the past. He's in the present. He's in the future. And, um, and, And so everything that is happening now, in God's mind, it's already happened. And everything that will happen to me tomorrow, it's as good as done. Nothing surprises God. You know, God didn't say, oh, no, there's this thing called... COVID, that's happening to, you know, the world. It didn't surprise him. God wasn't surprised when, when uh, we lost our, our good president, you know. Um, he wasn't taken aback. So um, I want to take us through some passages in the Bible, and uh, I want us to walk away tonight realizing that everything that God is doing in your life, in my life, he's doing it on purpose. And um, so let's start in Genesis. If you would please join me in Genesis chapter 50. And I'm going to take for granted tonight that uh, most of you guys know some of these stories that we're, we're going to turn to. This is the end of the life of Joseph Joseph. Uh, was the one favored son of Jacob. His brothers hated him. His brothers wanted to get rid of him. And so they, uh, they threw him in a pit. Um, and then, unbeknownst to Jacob, their father, they sent him out, uh, sold him to be a slave. And uh, Joseph winds up in Egypt. His dad thought he was dead. Um, Joseph winds up in Egypt. Uh, he, he gets brought into a certain household of a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar sees he's a diligent young man and he allows him to become ruler over all of his stuff until one day Potiphar's wife lies about him and Joseph gets thrown back in jail um, to sit and rot. And while he's in jail, um, God works in, in the in the circumstances of the people who were with him, and gives those guys some dreams, and Joseph interprets those dreams. And um, long story short, Joseph comes to be second in command under Pharaoh, in control of the entire known world at that time. But Joseph had to go through a lot of bad situations to get to that spot. And no doubt there were some times in Joseph's life where uh, he really didn't understand what God was doing. And it looked pretty ugly. It looked like the end, no doubt. And um, and at the end of the story, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt, and, and they reconcile with Joseph. He reveals himself to them. And he after his, his father Jacob dies, uh, His brothers come, and in verse uh, 18 of chapter 50, his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. In other words, we'll do anything you want us to do, just don't kill us, right? (laughs) Um, Because no doubt they thought Joseph was probably pretty mad at him yet. And, And Joseph makes this amazing statement here, beginning in verse 19. He says, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you... Ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You know what Joseph said there in a nutshell? He said, God did this to me on purpose. When, God, when, when Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit, that was really God throwing him in the pit. When, when his brothers sold him to, to the Ishmaelites to, to, to be a slave, that was really God's doing. When uh, Potiphar's wife lied about him and he gets thrown back in jail and mistreated and lied about, that was actually God doing that. Um, and boy, what a statement of faith. God did this stuff. Um, but it's true, and And when the story ends, you can see that, right? But in the middle of the story, that's pretty tough to see. But God did those things to Joseph on purpose. And uh, God takes us through some difficult situations sometimes. Um, He takes us through some things that aren't very pleasant and... We could no doubt complain about them. We could no doubt worry about them. We could no doubt um, get bitter over them. But I would challenge you, take Joseph's example and look up and say, God, I know you're doing this and you're doing it on purpose. Um, the next uh, individual that, uh, that kind of highlights this sort of character is Esther. Esther. Um, and uh, you guys don't have to, to follow me there if you don't want to, but you know the story of Esther. Esther was a young uh, girl who um, was a Jew, and she was in, in the land of Persia. She was a captive. Her parents were taken captive. Um, the, 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 um, the scenario wasn't the greatest, I'm sure, for a captive girl in a foreign land. Um, and through a unusual series of events, the king of that foreign land, Hazarus, he needed a new wife. He must have been American or something like that, actually, but he needed a new wife. <laughs> and um, so, uh, Esther joins this big... Uh, parade of ladies that go by this king and the king picks himself a new wife and it just so happened to be Esther. Um, But this king wasn't the kind of king who wanted his wife with him all the time. Uh, He only wanted his wife once in a great while and he was a busy guy, no doubt. And so if if she came into the king's presence or if anybody came into the king's presence uninvited, uh, they got dragged outside and beheaded. It was, it was not, he was, he was not a nice guy. Um, and, uh, and, and pretty soon, um, Esther finds out about this plot to kill her people, to kill the Jews. And she communicates with her uncle, Mordecai. And her uncle challenges her to go into the king's presence and... Plead for her people. And uh, she says, you know, um, if I go to the king and he doesn't invite me, it's not going to end well, right? And, and this is what Mordecai says back. He says, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, in other words, if you don't go talk to the king, then shall there uh, en- enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And that must have sparked something in Esther's heart. And she realized, hey, yes, I am here on purpose. I am here for a reason. And, um, and, and so she tells her uncle to, to, to pray and, uh, and fast and pray. And she begins um, to, to go to the king. And the king accepted her. And you guys know the story. Um, God brought uh, miraculous deliverance to his people. But Esther had to reach that point where she realized, this isn't about me. This isn't about my life. If I, if, if I uh, perish, I perish, she says. Um, so she was willing to deny herself for the purpose that God laid out in front of her. Um, you know, a lot of times fear keeps us from realizing the purpose that God has for us in our life. Fear is a powerful thing, isn't it? I mean, you, 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 uh, you guys understand how um, crazy this uh, the corona fear is? Um, I mean we've got a 99.9% chance of surviving this virus and we're all hiding in our houses and wearing masks and we got to get a shot and I don't know if you guys are all on the same page as me but that's just kind of crazy they are they are developing a fear in our country of this thing and it's and it's in an effort to control us is what it is Um, it's a sad thing Um, when uh, when I was in Florida for a little while, I was try to learn how to sell air conditioners. I've mentioned this before, uh, because it's, it's kind of one of my traumatic experiences in life. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they taught us they taught us this, the way these salesmen think, they taught us that people are more motivated by fear than anything else in the world. And uh, I never fully realized that. And, but as I watched their techniques, and how they talk to people and manipulate people and cause people to be afraid, and I tell you, if you're in Florida and the cold air ain't blowing, it's scary. I mean, it's bad. <coughs> but, <laughs> but, but they they worked off of the fear principles, and um, the devil the devil does the same thing to us, guys. I mean, he causes us to be afraid of stuff, to be afraid of of losing, to be afraid of maybe losing a friend, maybe losing a family member, or, or being afraid of, uh, you know, ruining your reputation, um, ruining, you know, your opportunity to have stuff in life. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you name it, and he'll make you afraid of it. Um, the devil is a liar. And the way, the way that lies work, lies cause us to fear. Um, and, and so you have to reach a point just like Esther did where you say, I am not going to be afraid. I am going to live with the purpose that God has for me. Um, We've got to move on here. Let's talk about Job a little bit. Pastor kind of waxed eloquent on Job already this morning, um, but Job was just an incredible man. Um, you know, Job didn't realize he was in the middle of a big spiritual warfare, a big spiritual event. You know, we have Job chapter 1, Job chapter 2, where we see it from the top side where the devil comes to God and, and they have their discussion. Job didn't know that. Job didn't know the devil came to God and God said, yeah, he'll, he'll be all right. You can, you, know, you can take his family and his stuff and, and, and plague his body. Job didn't know that stuff. Um, at least when he was in the middle of it. Um, And yet, throughout the book of Job, he makes those statements of faith, like, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Um, I know my Redeemer liveth. Um, uh, God knows the way I take, and I can't quote this uh, word perfect here, but when he's tried me, I will come forth as gold. Job never lost his faith in the sovereignty of God. In fact, in the whole book of Job, except for chapter 1 and chapter 2, you don't read anything about the devil in the book of Job, in, in his conversation. I mean, the devil doesn't get any credit. The devil throws the kitchen sink at the guy, and never once does Job say, look at everything bad that the devil is doing to me. He never said that. He said, "God's doing this. That takes some faith. That takes some some dedication to your Creator." Um, and 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 I think it's amazing. And it shows at the end of the book. Um, let me go. Let me read this verse for you guys because I'll, I'll I'll booger it up. But at the end of the book, like Pastor was saying, God tells Job to pray for his friends. It's in Job forty-two, uh, seven. It was so after the Lord spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for you have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Now Job didn't understand what God was trying to do. And, and you can read a lot of statements where Job was just, I mean, he was in despair. But yet, in his despair, he didn't lose his view of who God was. He didn't lose sight of the fact that God is doing this on purpose. He, no, no, he didn't have a clue what the purpose was at the time. He didn't understand what was going on. But he gave God the glory in that he said, God is doing this. And God said, that's right, sure am. And at the end, um, God honored him and honored his faith and honored his, his, uh, uh, his, his courage for standing up and doing what was right and saying what was right about him. Um, think about the, uh, the Apostle Paul and the stuff that he went through. He went through some pretty incredible um, events, and he kept going through the difficult times because he knew that God had a purpose for his life. I'm going to read you guys a verse in uh, Acts 26, um, where he is talking to King Agrippa, and, and he's, he's recounting his conversion experience, where he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he says in Acts 26.16, um, this, was, this was him rehearsing the words that Jesus said to him. Uh, Jesus said to him, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of those things which thou hast seen and of those things which uh, I will appear unto thee. So, Paul got a hold of the fact that God's got a purpose in my life. And Paul went through you know, beatings, and, and he got stoned, and shipwrecked, and a lot of times without food, and, and all that kind of rough stuff. Um, he had friends turn on him, and yet he says about his stuff that he's gone through in 2 Corinthians, he calls them light afflictions. He said these light afflictions aren't worthy to be compared to the glory on the other side. Light afflictions? I mean, they pretty much killed that guy just about every town he came to, you know? Um, And yet, in perspective, he said, this is nothing. I've got a purpose. I've got a job that God has given to me. And I can handle anything that God allows these people to throw at me because God is bigger than all of my problems. Um. So when you're in the middle of difficulties, remember who God is. Remember God has a purpose. God does not say oops. And you know, so many times it's 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 uh it's a shame, but we lose sight of how how great our creator is and how sovereign he is and 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 how all powerful he is. Um, you know, uh when a, when a little kid looks up at the sky and they see like a big, a big 747 airplane way up there, they think, wow, that's a little airplane. But you take a little spruce beetle. You guys all know the spruce beetle, The little pincher bugs that fly around. And you have one of them beetles running at your kids. Oh, Dad, there's this big bug that's going to kill me. You know, those things sound like a helicopter coming in, you know. And, uh, you know, it's all about perspective. That's what we're like sometimes, you know. We, we look up in the sky and we see God a long ways away. And we don't really realize how big he is. We don't realize he's got a handle on everything in our life. And then the devil throws something a little nasty at us and we're like, oh, it's going to kill us, you know. Um, we have to have the proper perspective. Um, We have to remember God's ways are higher than our ways. As it says in Isaiah 55, God said, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, as the heavens are higher above the earth. So are God's ways above ours. And we have to remember God's word will stand. Um, it, it, It says in the same chapter, His word will not return void. And so when God has said stuff like, I have begun a good work in you and I'm going to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When God has said things like Romans 8.28, all things are going to work together for your good. When God says stuff like, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so you can be content in whatsoever state you're in. Um, When God says stuff like, my grace is sufficient for thee, you can take it to the bank. You can rely on that. You can trust in that. um, Because... In reality, we're not holding on to Jesus. Jesus is holding on to us. Um, Let's go to a couple verses in the book of Psalm um, where David uh, has something to say similar to that. Psalm 18, 35. David went through a lot of difficult situations. He was anointed king as a young man. And... uh, and that didn't happen for a lot of years. He spent time running for his life. He spent time hiding in a cave. And David says, and this is most likely written more towards the end of his life, in verse 35, he says, Thou shalt also give me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. He says almost the same thing again in another psalm, I believe it's Psalm 73. He says, God, your, your hand is holding me up. You see, we can't. We are not strong enough to hang on to God. If it was up to us hanging on to God, we'd fall and crash and burn a long time ago, right? Um, thank God He holds on to us. We need to remember how big our God is. We need to remember um, His timing is best. Ecclesiastes uh, tells us that um, He makes. Uh, let me turn there too. I'm thinking about the song. In His time. In His time. Makes all things beautiful in his time, but I don't think that's what Ecclesiastes says. To everything there is a season, and to every time, a purpose under heaven. And then in verse eleven it says, He hath made everything beautiful in his time. See, our deal is, you know, we look, we're especially I think in our culture today, we're you know we're we're in a microwave christianity kind of thing we want it right now right um i can't what was it last night i said i don't have two hours to smoke a burger um that's a long story anyway when i want a hamburger i want it i don't i I want it right now i don't have two hours kidding me fire the grill up give me the flamethrower i'll burn it um and, and, you know, we, we look at God and we say, God, what is going on? Just like, again, pastor stole my notes this morning, but Psalm 13, we look at God and we say, have you forgotten me forever? Um, that's what it feels like sometimes, right? Um, but God hasn't forgotten us. God's timing is just different than our timing. Right? Um, you guys... Little kids, you you can associate with me right now in this little uh, scenario. You tell your kids you're going to go do something special. You're going to go to the park or you're going to go on vacation or whatever. They get wound up about it, right? They get excited. And you can tell them. You can take a calendar and you can show them what day we're going to go do this. It doesn't matter if you tell them that, though. They're going to ask you over and over and over again, can we go do this now? Can we go do this now? Can we go do this now? Right? Um, and they'll drive you nuts. Uh, because their concept of time and their way of doing things is a little different. And as, as Christians sometimes, we, I think we do that to God, you know? Um, and, and God says, hey, hold on. I got a plan. I got this worked out. Just got to be patient. Um, God's timing is different than ours. Somebody uh, once said that uh, God is never late. He's never early either. (laughs) And and it's true. Um, God gives you what you need when you need it. He doesn't give you what you need before you need it because he knows most of the time probably we wouldn't be able to handle it or we would squander it maybe. Um, I don't know. But God gives people what they need exactly when they need it. Remember, God's love for you is unending. We, we started in Romans chapter 8 there where it talks about um, uh, the love of God in the end of that chapter and how nothing can separate us from the love of God. Um, Psalm 139 um, says, How precious also, are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. We need to remember God's not necessarily out to make us miserable just because it's fun to watch people in misery. Now, now God doesn't always lead us down a pretty little path of roses, but God's God's loving. God's kind. God is merciful. And um his thoughts toward us are precious. They're sweet. And uh, sometimes we forget about that in, the, in, those, in those moments that are um, not so sweet. But that doesn't mean that God no longer loves you. That doesn't mean that God no longer cares about you just because your circumstances um, are adverse. Um, and remember, this is about God's reputation God's name is going to be glorified through whatever happens in our life. God's not going to allow his name uh, to be tarnished. You know, uh, once again, God doesn't say, oops, so he's not, he's not going to do something in your life and then turn around and go, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. You know, his reputation's at stake. Um, God is faithful. God is just. God is holy. And he makes no mistakes. He is too good to be unkind, and he is too wise to make a mistake. Um, Let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 8. And so in remembering God is bringing all things together, working all things together for our good, there's, there's a purpose. We know all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to His purpose. For, and, and here's kind of part of the unveiling of the purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what is the purpose Of all these things happening in our life, Lord. Well, the purpose is to make us like Jesus. That is the the whole point of the things that we go through. Um, You know, that was kind of God's plan back in Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. He said, I'm gonna create man in my image. So that when Man is viewed, you get a little bit of what God looks like. Not, not, not saying that in a, in a uh, um, blasphemous sense. Um, we'll never be as great as God. We'll never be omnipresent and powerful and all that kind of stuff. But God did something special when he created man in that he wanted man to be a little reflection of who he was. And the devil came in and ruined that, Right? And that's why the devil hates us, because when the devil looks at us, he sees a little reflection, an image of God, if you will. And and so God made this plan from the foundations of the world that Jesus was going to come and redeem mankind. And so the plan still continues to go on. And so when we get saved, God starts working on us. And he begins conforming us, molding us, shaping us to the image of Jesus Christ. And so, think about this. What, what was Jesus like when he walked on this earth? What, what were his thoughts? What were his uh, goals? What, what did he do? What, would, what was his effort going to? Well, in a nutshell, Jesus came for people. Jesus came for others. And so if we are going to bear the image of Jesus and all these things are working together in our life to make us like Jesus, the purpose is so that we can reach out and so that we can help other people, so that we can be an encouragement, so that we can be the ones uh, just like Jesus showing compassion and, and praying for the lost and and, and for the people that God has placed in our life. So, it's, it's not super-duper complicated, but the devil likes to kind of muddy the waters, right? He, he, likes, to, he likes to get us distracted. He likes to get us off track. He likes to uh, make us fear. Um, you know, God had this purpose for Jonah. And uh, Jonah was supposed to go to preach in in Nineveh and Nineveh was a nasty horrible town um and uh Jonah says "Uh uh-uh I'm not going I'm going the other way and Jonah thought he was going to run from the purpose of God and uh God prepared a great fish and uh three days in the fish and Jonah kind of decided that maybe God's way is a little better you know (laughs) and uh and so God gave Jonah another chance. And Jonah went to Nineveh, and, uh, and, and, and God's purpose was fulfilled. God had the purpose for Israel um, when they were going to go into the promised land. And he told them, this is, this is what I want you guys to do. And, um, and because of their unbelief, they didn't enter in. And they spent the next 40 years going around and around and around and around, and the next generation said, whoa, when God tells us we're going in, we're going in, guys. <laughs> um, and, you know, we bring ourselves, we, we bring a lot of extra heartaches and, uh, and, and trials and uh, whale-belly experiences, if you will, onto ourselves by not seeing, hey, God has me here for a reason. It's not about me it's about helping other people. It's about reaching other people. It's about encouraging other people. It's about representing God Almighty on this earth. And, um, and so you need to realize in your difficulties, God has a purpose. If you get a hold of this, you'll stop worrying. If you get a hold of this, and, and by the way, you know, worry is a sin. Because Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. And we're told in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. Now, I'm not saying don't plan, okay? I mean, don't, you guys, we still have to set an alarm clock so we get out of bed and go to work in the morning, all right? I know it'll be nice to just forget about it, you know? <laughs> the boss is calling you, hey, where you at? Well, Jesus said, take no thought, Oh, uh, that's not what he's saying. But he's saying, don't worry. Jesus said you can't make one hair of your head gray or black or white or whatever by thinking about it. Um, and so if Jesus tells you you're not supposed to do something, and you do it. You sin. Um, worry is sinning against the sovereignty of God. Um, If you get a hold of the fact God has a purpose for your life, it'll stop you from worrying. It'll stop you from complaining. Philippians 2 tells us that we're supposed to do things without murmuring. That's complaining. Remember why the children of Israel, one of the reasons why they had to go in the wilderness 40 years? Because they complained. And complaining is just kind of an outward expression of our unbelief in God. And, um, you know, when... When we talk to ourselves about our problems, that's worry. When we talk to other people about our problems, most of the time, unless they're part of a solution, when we talk to other people about our problems, that's complaining. When we talk to God about our problems, that's prayer. And that's when things get done. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Um... So get a hold of the fact that God has a purpose. God has you here in this place for a reason. Um, And and this comes as you you grow in your Christian life. Um, You know, 1 Corinthians uh, has a verse in it that says, When I was a child, I thought as a child. I spake as a child. I understood as a child. Um, But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, you know, we, we really ought to grow to the point in our Christian life where it's no longer just about us and, and, and the pleasures that we want and, and getting, God, please get me out of my mess, you know. Um, we need to get to the point in our life where no matter what is going on in our journey, we're grateful that we are journeying with the Lord Jesus. We are grateful that Jesus is with us. Um, I stumbled across a hymn. Can I read this? Um, I stumbled across a hymn yesterday when I was picking hymns for uh, service this morning. And this is such a powerful hymn. I don't know how to sing it, so I'm not going to try to sing it. Amen? Um, it's 299. You guys, if you have a hymn book, you want to, you want to join me in, in reading this? Um, I got done reading it and I, I, I handed it to my wife. I said, Hey, check this out. And she's like, Mmm, after she's done reading it. And I said, um, Makes me feel like I'm a baby Christian. <laughs> um, Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gift I wanted, now the giver owns. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Once t'was painful trying, now 'tis perfect trust. Once a half salvation, now the uttermost. Once t'was ceaseless holding, now he holds me fast. Once t'was constant drifting, now my anchors cast. Once t'was busy planning, now tis trustful prayer. Once t'was anxious caring, now he has the care. Once t'was what I wanted, now what Jesus says. Once t'was constant asking, now to ceaseless praise. Once it was my working, his it hence shall be. Once I tried to use him, now he uses me. Once the power I wanted, now the mighty one. Once for self I labored, now for him alone. Once I hoped in Jesus, now I know he's mine. Once my lamps were dying, now they brightly shine. Once for death I waited, now his coming hail, and my hopes are anchored safe within the veil. Whew. Wow. That kind of puts a finger right on a lot of my problems, right? Um, it's not all about us, guys. It is not all about us. And I, I want to... I I want to challenge you. Don't miss it. Um, something interesting that really stood out to me a couple weeks ago. We finished Luke, right, in uh, Sunday morning church, Luke twenty four, um, and Jesus was walking down the road, talking with the uh, the two discouraged guys on the road to Emmaus. And um, let's see, this is in verse uh, verse twenty eight. They drew nigh to. A village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And then they constrained him, talked him into coming and spend the night with him. You know, Jesus knows what he's doing, right? I mean, Jesus already knew the future. Jesus knew what these guys were going to do. Um, And yet, as they as they walk. And they're getting close to where the disciples are going to stop. He's like, "Okay, guys, it's been nice talking to you. I'll, you know, I see you later." And they said, "No, no, no, we're, we're not done. You know, the conversation's not over here. We're just this is just getting good. Uh, they were just beginning to maybe kind of understand some things, and um, and they constrained him. They said, "No, you, you have you have to come in and 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 uh, and stay with us and." And, and let's talk some more about this. You know, Jesus doesn't force himself on anybody. Um, he did this again in, in Mark chapter 6 uh, when the disciples were in the storm. You guys remember that story? And they were rowing all night. Jesus was up on the mountain praying. Jesus came to them walking on the water. And in Mark it says, and he would have passed by. It makes me wonder, what? What, what are you thinking, God? What are you thinking, Jesus? You know, you, you see the disciples, they're struggling. I mean, they're almost, their boat is almost full of water. This is, this could be the end of the trail for them. And you come to them, no doubt with the purpose of helping them out. But then, it's almost like change changes mind. You know, okay, maybe they don't want help. And I think God leaves the door open for us in such a way, He wants us to want Him. He doesn't force Himself on us. And if we're going to see His purpose, and if we're going to be involved in His plan, and if we're going to see God's hand work in our life, we need to ask Him. We need to invite Him. We need to constrain Him, if you will, to stay with us and help us fulfill the purpose that he has laid out for our our life. Um, God interferes with the affairs of men by invitation only. So my hope and my prayer and my challenge for you as well as for me is Let's not miss the fact that God has us here on purpose. That every little thing in our life that is happening, good, bad, ugly, it's on purpose. It's for a reason. Don't miss it. Don't let the boat go down when Jesus is walking past. Let's pray.